0: So yeah, so this morning is a little bit of a, a funny morning, right? Because we say a lot, and if, if you've been around, you, you hear this, that the church is not this, right? That this, this is not the church. The, the brick and mortar, the, the concrete, the drywall, that that's not ultimately what makes up the church, that it's, it's you. It's people looking to walk in the way of Jesus, learning to, to love God, love others, I mean, Scripture affirms this again and again. One of the early church leaders, a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said this in his letter to the Corinthian church. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That the body of Christ, that the church, that John said earlier, the flesh and bone through which God continues to reach out to the world is you. It's not a facility, it's, it's not a building, it's you. That's really, really important. If this building burned down tomorrow, Koinos would not be gone. We would still be here. We would still be called by God to reach people who feel like church is not a place for them, that there's no place for them to explore faith, but they're longing to connect with their creator. That would still happen if this were not here. So why do we have it, right? Like, that's the logical next question. <laughs> this space, it, it still matters. It's an incredible tool that we can use to accomplish what we feel like God has called us to as a community. When we began this campaign three years ago, we kind of gave it the title, Oh, the things we could do. And the idea there, besides Zeke, clear Dr. Seuss reference, right? But the idea there was this this kind of dreaming. Like what would it be like given who we are, given what we feel like we've been called to be as a community? What would it be like if we had 24-7 space? If we had access to a facility that, that we didn't kind of have to I mean if if you're newer with us within the last couple of years, yeah, we, we did meet in a the gym. There were some great things about that, among which was the the ever-present reminder, in the forms of scent that you were in a gym. I mean, that was incredible. Um, there were lots of great things about it. We actually loved the space. It was great to be in a place where normal, everyday people felt like they felt relaxed, they felt comfortable, they didn't feel like it was overly churchy. There were some great things about it. But there were some difficult things. There were things that we couldn't do, ways that we couldn't... Uh, expand ministries that we had because of the limitations of only having a space four hours a week. There were just things we couldn't do. And so we asked the question, what could we do? What what could we become? What could we do if we had a tool like this? How might we use it? And so we started to dream over those three years, and we invited all of us to dream together, and to be a part of making that dream materialize as we contributed financially. And we've seen it begin to materialize. I mean, we're nowhere close yet, right? Like, we're just on the beginning. We're, we're at the very beginning of this stage of the next part of our story. There is so much that's unwritten. There is so much that remains to be seen. There's so much to do. We're not there yet. But we're starting to see ways that this tool is being used We're starting to see what things we can now do because we have this space. And one of the things, I think there's a lot of different ways we could talk about it, but I think one of the fundamental things that this building enables us to do well is be a people who grows in our ability to offer radical hospitality together as a community. Hospitality is something that we can tend to kind of it's a word that doesn't have a lot of power for us, I think, a lot of times. When you think of being hospitable, you think about what you do kind of uh, out of obligation when someone shows up at the door, right? Like you, you quick make some coffee, you grab some cookies. Or you know the family's coming, and so you kind of clean up and, and you know, try and make some space for people to connect. Or maybe it's even the industry, right? Like someone who works in the, the hotel industry, bed and breakfast. But when we think about when we kind of back up and look particularly at the the Christian scriptures, at the Bible, hospitality plays a central role in how, how we even understand who God is and what it means to be people who are living in the way of Jesus. There's a story we're going to read together this morning. And if you have a background in church, if you're familiar with Um, scripture, the New Testament particularly, this may be a familiar story. Um, It's a little bit longer, so typically we might stand together as we we read the passage. I'm going to invite you to just kind of hang tight, and you can follow along with me. The passage will be up here on the screen. We're going to read out of Luke chapter 15, and Jesus is telling a series of stories um, to a a number of people, among them kind of primarily being a group of religious people. And he's told a couple of other stories, and then he continues. This is the third story that he's telling. Luke writes, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Julia, maybe you could have helped him with that, the goat. later. Sorry, I just... um, For many of us, a familiar story. It's a central story in the story of Jesus as he defines what God is like to people. And what is just completely radical in this story is the father's gracious, over-the-top hospitality. Whether it's to the younger son who thinks that really where life is found is throwing off the bounds of relationship to his father, all of the kind of the structures of the home life and making life on his own, far away from the father. Or the older son, who thinks really the way, the way to life is to make sure that he's upright and moral and follows all of the rules so that when the time comes, the father will give him what he deserves. And both of them, because they, they misunderstand who the father is, end up distant, far away. The younger brother comes back, and clearly in this story, if you're familiar, the, the father makes a fool of himself, hikes up his, his uh, you know, I forget, robe thing, and runs toward the father in a way that, Men would not have done in first century Palestine. It would have been shameful. But he doesn't care. He throws that off, runs to his son, falls on him and kisses him, welcomes him back. Doesn't wait to kind of hear the long laundry list of of things that he did and talk to him about why those things were horrible and why he deserves to be punished, but you know what? We're not going to do that. We'll, We'll be nice. No, he just welcomes him in, throws a huge party. And then you have the older son, who self-righteously stands at a distance and lectures his father on how he's getting it all wrong. On how he, the older son, who obeyed all the rules, who got it all right, should be the one who's celebrating. And what does the father do? Does he go off on the son because he's being disrespectful? He could have. Does he, tell, does he tell the son, now you look here, kid. No. He invites him in. He welcomes him into the party too. And as Jesus tells us this story, the image of, of God, the Father, is offensive to all of us. Whether we are people who think we can make it on our own away from him or those who think we can make it by being good enough, we're invited to all recognize how short that comes, how, how useless those efforts are and join God in his gracious party. This is the image we get of God, this lavish in some ways we might even say foolish, grace. Not because we've done anything to deserve it, but because God is one who welcomes us all in. God is a God who welcomes everyone. And because of this, again and again in the New Testament scriptures, the people who are looking to walk in the way of Jesus, who are looking to live out the reality of this one, who welcomes all people, are told, practice hospitality. Whether it's Paul in Romans saying, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Or Peter in his letters, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Again and again, those who who call themselves followers of Christ are told, make sure that core to what it means to practice the way of Jesus is being hospitable, being welcoming. Not just to your friends, to strangers, to those you don't know. Create space to welcome all people. And for a culture like ours in particular, this is a radical message. I mean, think about it. Everything about who we are as a society leads us increasingly away from one another and towards isolation. I mean, just the very nature of success. I mean, think about, if you can kind of Imagine in your head how life used to be. All right, this is me being an old fogey. Um, right, like way back before we had air conditioning, I don't even really remember that, but I, that time did exist, I'm told. Um, before we, we all had air conditioning, what did people do when it got hot and stuffy in the house? You went outside, right? Like You hung out on the front porch, you, and while you did that, your neighbors were doing that too. And so you're connecting with people as they're walking by or as you're at the park together or whatever you're doing outside. Well, then we started getting air conditioning in our homes, and, and we spent more time inside than out. And many of us and, and the structures of our homes shifted the primary social connecting place from the front porch to the back patio, which is more invitation only, right? It's not as public space as the front porch. It's, it's who we invite, our, our friends, the people we know, our family, even more so when we move inside and spend times with, our, with our, our, our toys, our televisions, and our game systems, and, and all of those things. Like, those, are, those, those are exclusive experiences where people who get an invitation into your house get it. And, and the more successful we are and the more money we make, the more likely we, we are to buy a, a larger home with a bigger yard that kind of sets back a ways and creates distance from us and other people. And so the more success we get, the better we are, the, the more money we make, the, the more we tend to isolate ourselves. And increasingly in our culture, this is one of the key sicknesses that we struggle with. Isolation, loneliness. And we as people who live out the way of Jesus, who are trying to model this, this crazy hospitable God in our everyday lives get a chance to do something radically different both personally and collectively and and let me be clear, this begins individually, this is not primarily what we do here it happening here is secondary primarily it happens in our lives, in our homes in our workplaces, in our personal relationships but collectively we also get to live that out here in a unique way there's a family that um, we were really close to when we lived in York. Uh, their names, uh, the, the father and mother were Bing and Diane Lamison, were their names. I've told this story before. It was a number of years ago, uh, but I think it bears repeating as we think about what it means to be a hospitable people. Um, Bing was, uh, that wasn't his actual name, that was a nickname. William was his actual name. Uh, but we all called him Bing. I don't know really where that came from, but that's besides the point. Um, Bing was very successful in what he did. And they had five kids, and they kind of bought a larger, very nice home. So when they bought this home, the intent was never that they needed like a castle. You know, this is a place that for us to, to just kind of have all of our nice stuff. The idea was always, how do we, with this great home that we have, create space both for our kids, their friends, but also people that we come in contact with to have home when they're here? To always have a place that they can come, even if their own home isn't a place that feels like they're welcome, they can always feel welcome here. And so they actively worked to create a space both in kind of practically what they did, things like uh, stocking their pantry full of stuff that they didn't personally uh, eat a lot of, but snacks and sodas and things like that because they always wanted to have things to offer people. And so it was always packed with stuff. And, and they, they put up a, a volleyball court in their backyard, or on a net, not a full court, but you know, they made a net in their backyard and they had plenty of space and they, they drew out their chalk lines so that their kids could bring their friends over and it could become the hangout place in the community where people could spend time. But it wasn't just the physical space, it was the personal reality of when you walked in that door, you suddenly became the most important person in their lives, no matter what they were doing. I remember one time, it was after we had moved here, I was in town for something, I forget exactly, and I I, I had about an hour between meetings, and and I thought, you know, I'm going to call Bing and Diane, see what they're up to, and so I called them, I said, hey, look, I know I'm just kind of springing this on you, but I'd love to just swing by and say hi, see what's going on. Oh, yeah, sure, come over. So I popped in, and of course, they have some kind of Party that they're throwing that night and, and so I walk in and Diane's busy Kind of preparing things, uh, Bing had been Out kind of mowing the yard and, and Weed whacking and he came in and he's all sweaty And his kids were around because they were going to be part Of the party and they're, they're adults at this point But they're all kind of doing things to get ready and I come in And Diane continues to work in the kitchen But they give me a seat at the table And immediately start serving me things Bing comes in, uh, needs to get a shower yet But stops and sits at the table with me Some of the adult kids stop and they kind of come in And lean on the counter to talk to me and suddenly Suddenly, while work is still happening, I realized that this is all about me. And all of the questions are about me and what's going on in our life and what do I need and how can they pray for me and what would be helpful right now. And, this whole th- and I left after about half an hour feeling like I was one of the most important people in the world. Meanwhile, they're accomplishing lots of things all around me. And it was, it was the way in which they chose to not simply make space in their home but in their lives to welcome me in where I felt like I was home. And I think this is a great image, a great great picture of the opportunity that we have, both in our individual lives and families, in our own homes, in our own workplaces, in our own relationships, but also collectively as a community. As we think about what does it mean for us to see this space as a tool, as a gift, that we get to use to practice hospitality for others particularly for those who, who have kind of felt marginalized by religious people, have felt kind of outside of faith, but want to connect with their creator and want to find that in a community? How might we practice hospitality with them? There's a, a writer, a, spiritual, a guy who does some spiritual direction, a, a man named Henry Nowen. I, I think actually his, his name is pronounced Henri Nowen. Uh, I only know that because uh, Crystal Skiltis, who has spoken here a couple of times, does a lot with us, is a lot smarter than I am. And she quoted him, and I always called him Henry Nouwen. And she quoted, she's like, oh, Henri Nowen." I'm like, oh, I think I was pronouncing that wrong. Anyway, that guy, uh, he wrote a book called Reaching Out. And he talked about the, the power of hospitality. He says this, In our world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, culture, and country, From their neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest self and their God, we witness a painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. Although many, we might even say most, strangers in this world become easily the victim of a fearful hostility, it is possible for men and women and obligatory for Christians to offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness and become our fellow human beings. I love that. I love that. It's obligatory for those of us who are looking to walk in the way of Jesus, to have this amazingly generous God lived out in our lives. It must result in us figuring out how to welcome people well into our lives. And as a community, how do we use this space to welcome people into a spiritual community, into a place where they can explore faith? hope, and life with God and others. So a couple of thoughts about how I think this can work really well here, how I think we're starting to see it work well in this facility, and how we can continue to do it. These are really practical things, uh, but again, they're things that, that I think we're doing well, and I think we can continue to do better. Number one, it's by creating an environment in which all people feel welcome. Winston Churchill once said, we shape our buildings, thereafter they shape us. We shape our buildings. Thereafter, they shape us. I think there's something really true about this, that the space that you create and that you operate out of shapes that, shapes what you do and how you do it in significant ways that are often kind of unconscious, we're not aware of. And so thinking about what that means for a space here, in, in all the time leading up, to, to creating this space. to uh, it, it, Again, if you're new, what happened was this was an office building. Uh, it did not quite look like this um, when we first got here. Uh, it was, there was a lot of work that many people here, here put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours collectively into renovating, into rehabbing, into thinking through how do we make this a kind of a space where people can connect with God and others. And one of the things that we thought about a lot was the experience of coming here for the first time. As you well know, you have a very short window of time to create a first impression. Right when people arrive, they're already formulating, what do I think about this place? And unconsciously, what does this place communicate to me about this community and what they're about here? We might say, what this space communicates about who God is and what we think God is like. And so one of my favorite things about this space is actually the lobby. It's what happens like before you even get in this room. And it's kind of funny that I would say that because most of what I do happens here. And I think that's good. I, I hope that's good. But what happens out there is critical. Why? Because what we try and do out there very intentionally is create a space where people feel immediately welcome, whether it's the parking attendants, who who are helping them park safely so they're not bumping into each other and their kids aren't getting run over, which we appreciate greatly, and then add a welcome, how you doing greeting when you get out of the car, or the greeters at the door who shake your hands and smile, give you a bulletin, deacons in the lobby who help you get connected, our our Kid Street staff who are helping you get acclimated and, and, and think about how this place is set up to serve your kids, or the random person who walks up and says, hello. The coffee brewing, all of the food out there, the table set up, everything is done. The music we play, the, the art that's on the walls, everything is done intentionally to communicate, you are welcome here. Even if you're uncomfortable with religion, even if that's been a difficult experience for you, we want you to know that you are welcome. That's really intentional. We work really hard at that. And that is a critical piece. As as little as that sounds, it's a critical piece to having someone feel like whatever happens in the rest of the building matters. If they don't feel welcome, if you don't feel like it matters that you're here, then what I or whoever is standing up here is saying, you could care less. What teaching happens, if, if it doesn't matter, if we don't care that you're in the building, then Why do you care what we're selling, right? It matters. We think it matters a a lot. And so we really work hard to make sure this is a welcoming place. And that says something to people who... Do you know if, if you're used to church, if this is a place that you're like, well, love it here, glad I'm here, but I, I'd go to church if this place wasn't here, then this might not quite be the first thing you think of. But for many people to walk in those front doors to say for the first time, you know what, I think I'm going to try to go to church this morning, it is so anxiety producing. It creates so much stress and, and just these thoughts about what is going to happen when I walk through those doors. Being a welcoming community is one of the most hospitable and powerful things that we can do as people who are looking to accurately show who God is and how gracious and loving and welcoming God is to others. That matters a lot. Secondly, a second way that this facility can really serve us in being hospitable is it can help us create opportunities for connection. I love Monique's story uh, that you heard in the video where she talked about being, being kind of new to the area. But how having a place here with Highway 712, with our youth ministry, really created space for her to connect with people. I feel like there's, there's a group for her. And while, again, that can and should happen outside of these walls... This gives us an incredible opportunity to do that. One of the reasons, again, I, I talk about the lobby a lot. It happens a lot of different places. But one of the things I love about the lobby is that this is a place where people come in and you grab a cup of coffee, and suddenly one person walks over to another and says, Hey, how did that procedure go this week? I've been thinking about you, I've been praying for you. Or, Hey, how are things going at home with your kids? Or, I know you had the interview this week. How did that go? Or groups of friends are standing around laughing, telling jokes, stories. Kids are kind of gathering in the corner, and later we have to shoo them off, right? Like, but all of that stuff matters. That is where God is at work, in those connections, in those conversations, in those opportunities for people to feel like I'm part of something bigger. I'm not just kind of isolated out here on my own. I'm part of a community of people. I'm an integral part of a community of people. Placing, uh, providing opportunities for those kind of connections is critical and it's something we can do here. That happens back with kids too, with, with Kid Street and the opportunity that we have for kids to be mentored by teachers who care about them. Um, it even happens, uh, our space provides opportunities for our worship team. If you've been around again for the last couple months, you know our worship team has gone through a lot of transition where we now have four different teams. But because they've been able to use this space, they've been able to build their own tight-knit communities, places of connection, not just teams that come and perform, but people who really care about each other, who really know each other. This stuff all matters, and we can do it in a really unique way because we have this space. And then finally, I think this building gives us an opportunity to offer hospitality by opening up and giving space for outsiders, for, for other groups, other things that we think really matter to happen here. Now, some of that is stuff within our own our own ministries, right? Like, so our youth ministry does a lot of stuff here. Uh, You've heard about Open Circle, which is our women's ministry. Uh, Walk Strong, which is our men's ministry. There's there's outreach events that happen here for men and women. This fall, we're going to do a collective outreach. Things that, you know, we've had Hundreds of people who have come through here for outreaches, and we couldn't do those same kinds of things if we just had to do it in people's homes. So it gives us a unique space to do those types of things, explore our our children's outreach program that we do here. We've been able to move it to another level in terms of the kind and the types and the, the, uh, the quality of the programming we're able to offer. All of that stuff happens better because we have this tool. But it's not just that. It's also, you, you heard from Michelle Riddle, uh, who oversees Special Olympics in Berks County. And they get to meet here monthly. We provide space for them to meet on a monthly basis for free. There's Bridge of Hope, which is a group that, that works to, uh, to, to fight homelessness, to, to help uh, women and children make their way out of homelessness and, and get their feet on the ground and start moving forward in positive ways. And they meet here regularly, a group there. Um, we're even here soon, we're going to be opening up our doors to a- another church community that shares our vision for reach, reaching people who, who have kind of been burned by religion, who struggle but are wanting to reconnect with their creator. They do it a little differently than we do, and they're in a spot where they're, they're struggling a bit. They're kind of in a transition themselves, and they need a place to land, and we're able to offer them space here on Sunday evenings where they can come and begin to, to do their work here in a, in a space they can afford. And along with that, our Highway 712 ministry used to have the run of the place, but because they recognized this is a valuable thing, they've kind of said, hey, this is going to be challenging, but we want to create space. And so they're creating space for that church to meet here too. So all over the place, we're creating space for meaningful things to happen. And even things like parties. A number of people have had parties for their kids that they didn't have space to host elsewhere, but at these parties, parties. Friends, neighbors, relatives are connecting in ways they, they wouldn't have connected otherwise. We're even, I'm, I'm excited about this, in, in a couple of weeks here, on August 22nd, we are, we're having a, a wedding ceremony. We're renewing the vows of, of Tim and Carolyn Marshall, where they're going to be meeting here and, and renewing their commitment to one another. And you're all invited, by the way. They said, Koinos is our family. We want everybody to come. You just have to let them know so they, have, they can order enough cake. Um, but, but it's on August 22nd, they're going to be here, and we're going to do that, and we're going to recognize How amazing it is that they've been together for over 30 years and celebrate that together. And those things can happen. Those meaningful moments in people's lives can happen here in a way that we just couldn't do if it weren't for the tool that this building is. And I think we could just go on and on about the opportunities that exist. But there's so much more. What we need is not to kind of sit back and go, wow, this is great, like, the chairs are comfortable, they're not like those shedding, like, I don't know, if you were here before, we had these, like, plastic chairs that had some kind of, like, I don't know, like, leprous thing going on, where they were regularly shedding plastic everywhere, and, and uh, you know, there's, there, that we're constantly, like, walking in the facility, and the room that we used last week is now under construction, and so, so those kinds of things don't happen anymore, but we don't just, can't just kind of sit back and be like, whew, it's nice that we don't have to worry about that. No, this is an opportunity to press in and say, what next? How might we continue to be creative together and think about how we can use this space to welcome people who have never walked in these doors, who are sitting out there thinking, you know, communities of faith, they, they don't really matter. There's no, there's no real relevance in my life, but they're maybe longing for something deeper. How do we continue to use this space in new and creative ways? It's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. Choosing to serve in new ways. You know, the reason why um, that, that lobby is so welcoming is because you guys volunteer to greet, you volunteer to park cars, you volunteer to bake cookies and, and cupcakes and, and all the wonderful coffee cake, all the wonderful things happen out there. You volunteer to brew coffee and tea. You are the ones who make this the space that welcomes people and shows them. You're hello and smile, and it's great to see you. Your choice to walk over to the person who is sitting by themselves in the chair and say, hi, this might be kind of awkward because we might have met three times, but I kind of don't think so. My name is. When you do that, you say something about who God is to people who are wondering, is this really for me? But we need you to serve, to contribute, to be a part of what's going on out there, back there with kids, all over, to make this a hospitable place. We need you to connect. We need you to commit to being part of the community here, to be part of different ways to reach out, to be part of community groups, to be part of explore, volunteering, to choose not just to serve, but to connect relationally with the people around you, to, exp- to, to extend yourself relationally, to make connections. And we also need you to contribute. We need all of us together Just like all of us got us here by generously contributing over $300,000, we need all of us to continue to contribute financially to what God is doing here so that we can continue to be innovative and thoughtful about how we're being hospitable to people in our community. I think the opportunities are great for us to continue to welcome people. Probably some of you have ideas that we've never thought of. We're excited for what God has next, but it's going to take all of us working together with our time, energy, talents, resources to make that happen. Father, thank you for your radical hospitality to us, for how you uh, welcome us in love, into your family, into yourself. Would you help us as we look to Jesus, the one who lays his life down so that we can find life Would you help us to be people who live out radical hospitality in our own lives? And would you help us as a community to to practice radical hospitality in a way that makes every person who walks through that door feel like they matter to us and even more to you? And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.